to another episode of The Final Call. This is episode number four. This is Ben Mamoritas here alongside me. No, man with the easiest name the in the zoom. Oh, I know. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like the music, Jason? Oh, turn it up. <laughs> we got a packed show for you today. Is the Patriots dynasty over? And we're going to do some NFL superlatives. But first, our favorite, weekly awards, Jason. Yes, week 15 wrap-up. We're turning Absolutely. the corner yes, towards the are. end of the regular season. Can't wait. You know what? Some teams got some business done this weekend. Um, yes, so they did. Let's start out with uh, Good Noodle. Who yes. is your Good Noodle for week 15, Ben? You know... Derrick Henry had another big game, but it's not him. <laughs> That's Kyler a surprise. <laughs> yeah, hey, Kyler Murray had a big game, but how can I not go with the greatest quarterback of all time who did it to the Falcons again? He did it again. Yep. 17 to nothing, he was down in the first half against Atlanta. In the second half, they get a touchdown. It was 17 to 7, then Atlanta answers with 24 to 7. I'm like, okay. So Atlanta has a big lead right now, but in the back of my head, I'm like, that's, that, that's not a big enough lead. It's not a big enough lead. Atlanta is doing what Atlanta does best. Tampa Bay only had 60 yards of offense in the first half. Pair that with, in the second half, they had Brady had 320 yards passing. That is the most this season in a half passing yards for any quarterback in the league. By the way, Jason, Brady is now two touchdown passes away from having the Tampa Bay Buccaneers all-time passing touchdowns record in a season. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers have been around since 1974. Okay? And he's 43 years old, and he's still doing it. And the fact that the fact that at sitting at home, everyone should have been sitting there with a 24 to seven lead saying, there's no way that the Falcons hold that lead against Brady. There's just no way. And then what happened? The Phoenix rose from the ashes and burned the Falcons again. What can I say? He's the greatest of all time. And you know, the Buccaneers are kind of a, they're a hit or miss team. Some weeks they look really good. Some weeks they look really bad, but this week, I mean, that was how the halves were. The first half was really bad. Second half was pretty much perfect. So Tom Brady's my good noodle. And, I mean, he did it again. The Falcons need therapy after this one. I'm a good noodle! I'm a good noodle! Yeah, that game kind of reminded me of, remember when Houston was up 24 nothing against the Chiefs in Arrowhead? And everyone, including me, or at least I got this feeling. I don't want to speak for everyone. But I got the feeling like, yeah, Houston's still going to blow this. I mean, Kansas City spotted them 24 points, and it's not going to matter. Yeah, I, I kind of had that feeling as well. Just with Mahomes and how explosive that offense was, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay. This 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 might not last. Bill O'Brien, eh, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but this one, it was just like, it was written on the wall. I mean, you could spot Atlanta like 48 points, and they'd still find a way to blow it. Yep. Um, but my good noodle is a guy, I mean, we don't really talk about coaches in this category, but I'm going to, I'm going to, pan around to a coach that I'm really starting wow. to respect. One of my favorite coaches in the league. Let's go with Brian Flores of the Miami Dolphins. Now, we talk a lot, and the media does, about Bill Belichick's assistants and how they go into head coaching jobs, and they usually flame out. Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, things like that. Um, Brian Flores is the exception. And how fitting is it that Bill Belichick's old assistant, Brian Flores, kicks him out of the playoff pursuit ends that streak there. And not only that, Tua Tagovailoa, the quarterback, is, was Nick Saban's former quarterback at Alabama, obviously. Mm-hmm. Also one of Bill Belichick's best friends. So two of Belichick's close acquaintances kind of ruin the weekend for him. But I, I love the way Brian Flores is managing Tua Tagovailoa because going into the game, the storyline was, oh, another rookie quarterback, Bill Belichick's going to eat him alive. Yep. That happened with Lamar, that happened with Kyler, and that happened with Justin Herbert. Well, the way Tua is different than those guys is that he doesn't really put the chips to the center of the table. He's not a big gambler. He's going to put this game under control. And most of that has to do with Brian Flores. And Flores, you know, he do, he's starting to do this thing where he's doing, it's kind of similar to Belichick. He pays defense, first of all. His quarterback doesn't go over his skis. And he finds a way to um, manufacture a run game with nondescript running backs. 
you think of the running backs for, for the Dolphins this weekend. Uh, Salvin Ahmed, uh, Matt Breida, and Patrick Laird combined for 228 yards on the ground against Bill yeah. Belichick. And the Patriots, they owned time of possession against New England. They absolutely did. Bill Belichick and Cam Newton were held at 20 minutes of offense. 20 minutes. That Patriots team couldn't score 30 points on an empty field with 24 hours on the field. Never mind 20 minutes against that defense and, and Brian Flores. Tip of the cap to Brian Flores, one of the most underrated coaches in the league right now. He's building a, a football machine down there. And honestly, Bill Belichick should be scared going forward because Miami, Buffalo's building up, and who knows what happens with the Jets. I mean, they're winning, we're, they're winning games now. So Bill Belichick <laughs> yeah. should be scared. Yeah, so tip of the cap, Brian Flores. Couldn't be more happy for that guy. I'm a good Google. I'm a good Google. Yeah, I love that pick. I really do. Because, I mean, to your point, I mean, Matt Breida was running all over that Patriots defense. There was nothing that they could do to stop him. And it is fitting that (laughs) Brian Flores, the last time he was with the Patriots, won a Super Bowl, defensive coordinator, goes down to Miami. And he's, I mean, you're right. He's building a culture. I think Flores down in Miami and then Mike Vrabel over in Tennessee, those are the two that are really – starting to build something there. So those are definitely two teams to look at, and I like that pick a lot. But team of the week, Jason, who do you have for that one? Team of the week. Let's flash back to Saturday. Uh, Saturday football. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. When you, when you put up 48 points in a place that's hard to play in Denver uh, against a defensive head coach uh, with good defensive personnel, and you, you still that, – that's a spot where, you know, you could kind of get away with not scoring a ton – they spotted almost 50, 50 points. Josh Allen, he's perfectly built for the modern NFL. Like, if you were to build a quarterback for today's game, you would think Mahomes. You would think Josh Allen. Like, big arm, can hurl it down the field, can run around. You know, accuracy, a little spotty sometimes. Decision-making also a little, you know, a little cautionary at times. But, man, Josh Allen's becoming a star. 28 of 40, 359, two touchdowns, zero picks. Buffalo's pass rush could have been a little bit better. Only four QB hits on the day. But, you know, when you're putting up 48 points, not many teams can beat you. And they're better than Pittsburgh right now. They're better than Cleveland. They're, they're the second best team in the AFC. Argu- maybe second best team in the NFL. That might be a stretch. But, man, we, we talked about this offseason. Buffalo, defensive story, well head coach. I didn't think they'd be able to put up shutouts. like I mean, um, not shutouts, shootouts like this. I didn't think yeah. they'd be able to put up 48 points in bulk and be as a consistent team as they've been all season. So um, real nice job for Buffalo and Denver this, this Saturday. Yeah, that was a really good game. And yeah, they only had three QB or four QB hits, but one of them was a strip sack. 100%, and that, yep. that, that was a huge one. So they're making their opportunities count. And to your point, Josh Allen is... His decision-making and accuracy can be spotty at times, but every week it seems like he's getting better. I mean, this guy's progression is is light years. I mean, you look at his season last year and then put it and then compare it to this year, who knows what he's going to look like next year. If he keeps progressing at this speed, he's gonna, he could be you know an MVP candidate next year, seriously. I mean, like you said, they could be the second-best team in the, NFC, or the AFC, but they are not my team of the week. Because there was a team in Ohio, not your Cleveland Browns, ah, that <laughs> that's a shame. That beat the slightly overrated Pittsburgh Steelers because the Cincinnati Bengals showed up at home on Monday night, and Ryan Finley was looking like I don't even know. He was I don't know what was he? He was their third string quarterback. Yep. He gets thrown in there. He, he's running for touchdowns, throwing for touchdowns. And this is supposedly the best defense in the league. Am I, am I not mistaken in that? I mean, it, it was headlined. It was advertised as that. That's, that's what I'm sure. saying. And going to this game, I was like, okay, okay yeah. Uh, this Pittsburgh defense going against a third-string quarterback, Monday Night Football primetime, oh, they're going to eat him alive. Eat him alive. Mm-hmm. What happened? That is, that is not the case. The Bengals were perfect on offense and defense especially defense can we just talk about the fact that von bell lit up the tiktok boy oh my goodness before the game he said how disrespectful it was to dance on the logo and everything and then you know a few possessions into the game smack juju smith schuster that was a fumble by the way ended up costing them a touchdown but that that right there 
big win for the Cincinnati Bengals because not only did that hurt Pittsburgh's chances at a one seed, that's helping the Browns sneak into that first seed potentially. So, I mean, obviously the Bengals are not going to be sniffing a playoff spot anytime soon, but the ramifications in that division are exponential. So I have to give the the Bengals credit here for playing a pretty much perfect game when no one was expecting them to. And by the way, Andrew, if you're listening to this right now, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers turned Ryan Finley into Ryan Winley. Yep. <laughs> yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. Yep. He, oh. Andrew hates the puns, so you know, I have to go oh. after him. I, he's not here. I, I got I to gotta oh. show off a little bit. Oh, goodness. That's <laughs> and, <laughs> and Andrew would say that's his dumpster fire of the week is my pun game, but <laughs> what, what's, your, what's your dumpster fire of the week? Jason, this might be the dumpster fire of the year for me. This might be it. First ballot Hall of Fame dump, dumpster First fire? First ballot Hall of Fame dumpster fire. Put it in the dumpster fire Hall of Fame, the Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams were my dumpster fire. I think they lost the 49ers in like the first few weeks, and I was like, wow, they really didn't show up against the 49ers. But even I couldn't have foreseen them getting just smacked in the face by the New York Jets. Can we say that again? At home. The, yeah, at home. The What was it? 0-13 Jets? Yeah. What happened? Sam Darnold looked like he was, you know. He looked like Ryan Winley. Yeah, he looked like yeah. an actual quarterback. Adam <laughs> Gase was calling like a perfect game plan. What's going on? The Jets answered a 37-point blowout to Seattle that they just suffered. They answered that with a pretty much perfect game against a team who a lot of people are saying has Super Bowl, you know, buzz around that team. I mean, the the Rams have nine wins right now. I mean, you know, they're not at the top of the NFC West right now. I mean, Seattle's still there, but, like, they're right there. I mean, they're at nine wins, and no one thought the Jets, no one thought the Jets were going to win. Why? Because they have the number one pick, or they did have the number one pick in the draft, and everyone thought that they were just going to tank for Trevor Lawrence, and they blew that. The Jets can't even tank correctly, by the way. But this isn't about the Jets, Jason. This is about the Los Angeles Rams and how terrible it was. Sean McVay, after the game, flat out told the press this is embarrassing and he didn't know what to what to think of this because he did not expect this i don't know how you can be a team that is in the super bowl discussion and then lose to not only the worst team in the league but one of the worst teams in the history of football Mm -hmm. that's bad that's bad i mean i don't know how the rams did that the rams need to answer next week with a with a big win because that is just oh that is awful i mean oh terrible terrible dumpster fire of the year for me god awful la saved pittsburgh because they were (laughs) they were well on their way to a dumpster fire yes they yes they were i said it i said it jason i said if the jets didn't win they would have been my dumpster fire but the los angeles rams man I, i i do not know what happened the wheels just fell off in that game i don't know and sometimes on those West Coast trips, like when it rains, it pours sometimes. Usually you get blown up by 43 by Seattle. That next game's going to be like, oh, we're still out here and it's just going to be terrible. But Jets turn the tide. And honestly, good for, good for Sam Darnold, good for the Jets. Um, Is it good you, for the Jets? Is it I was though? Gonna say, I was going to take that back because you could certainly make the <laughs> argument that Jets earned their, you know, the dumpster fire of the, week, the year because <laughs> they messed this thing up because they were supposed to get Trevor Lawrence. They were supposed to get the number one pick, but now that's kind of out of the question. So they, you know, they didn't tank. It was just a mess of a game altogether. The Jets didn't get what they wanted ultimately in the grand scheme of things. They're not going to get the number one pick and the Rams lose at home to a quarterback that hardly anyone believes in Sam Darnold, who I love. But the Jets ruined, and it's ah oh, man, what a, oh my god! I saw, I think I texted you like the the Jets were up thirteen nothing, and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I said the same thing. I was just like, wait a minute, am I reading that right? Yeah, I was like, am I reading that right? Like that that can't be right. So that's your dumpster fire too, huh? Yeah. Yep. Hundred percent. What do you want me to say? I mean, yeah. you let Adam Gase beat you. Yeah. 
That, that has dumpster fire written all over it. But uh, coming up next, NFL superlatives. Not quite end of the year awards, but uh, as Massasoit uh, Community College nears the end of the semester, we're going to do a little looking back at the uh, NFL regular season, talk about some things we haven't talked about this year. So coming back on the final call. Back here on the final call, we got some NFL superlatives for you today. Jason Snow. Yes. We have superlatives. This is an interesting topic we got here. So we have a few questions, or not questions, but we have made up some awards for for this NFL season. Some of them are pretty accurate. Some of them are more fun, but Jason, do you have any that you want to throw out here at the beginning here to get us started? Yeah, let's get the ball rolling a little bit. So the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl announcements just came out, right? We'll start here. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of it, I would say, is fairly accurate. Fairly, you know, right on the money. I would agree. What player do you think was the biggest Pro Bowl snub this year? Now, I mean, you're you're not going to be surprised by this, but. When, I, when these lists came out and I saw the quarterbacks, I was pretty okay with all of them except for one. And I love this quarterback a lot, but I do not think he was deserving of getting a Pro Bowl selection, and that's Deshaun Watson. I don't think he was worthy of a Pro Bowl selection just because of the season that he's been having. Yes, he is special. Yes, he is talented. Like Andrew said, he has talent dripping out of every hole in his body, which I totally agree with. But his, this season, to me, is not a Pro Bowl season from Deshaun Watson. He's just, you know, I mean, it's unfortunate because he's kind of playing on a crap team, you know, with an interim head coach. So I would have taken him out and put in the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay, who resurrected the Buccaneers from last season. And like I said, is two touchdowns away from having the all-time record in a season for touchdowns in a Buccaneers uniform. To me, that that was the only guy missing. Like, yeah, Deshaun is worthy of – I mean, any other year I'm sure Deshaun puts up Pro Bowl-type numbers and everything. But, like, just this year, I mean, what does he have? Like, three wins, four wins? Come on. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's – you know, the, the Buccaneers, if not for the Saints, are would be a powerhouse. And a lot of people still have them in the Super Bowl bubble, and it's because of number 12. So, you know, that was the biggest one for me. Uh, there was a lot, though, but to me, that was the big one. I was like, how can, you, how can you miss that? How can you miss that? I just don't know why they put in Deshaun. I mean, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I'm going to go with I – mean, I'm surprised you didn't – I thought we were going to agree here, but we're not. But I think the biggest snub is J.C. Jackson of the uh, New England Patriots. Yeah, because that's actually a good one. Second in the league in interceptions, he has eight. He actually rattled off a four-game stretch in which he had an interception in every game, middle of the season. Uh, Xavier Howard, uh, Trey White, Marlon Humphrey, and Stephon Gilmore made it above him. Uh, I mean, I'm not. it's not egregious, but when you have the second most interceptions in the backfield, I mean, he's been arguably the Patriots' best corner all year long, and you put in Stephon Gilmore. I, I don't know. I feel like Gilmore should have been out. Jackson should have been in, but Patriots get love either way. But I just feel like Jackson was more consistent. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just going to go with Jackson over Gilmore there. Yeah, I think that was kind of a um, – what's the word? Gilmore was like the easy one, you know, reigning defensive player. Right. Yeah. It's like defensive player of the year. Like you got to put him in. Like how can you not, right? But I like yeah. that. I like that a lot. What's another one you got? All right. Let's go um let's go on the on the other side of the spectrum. And we're, let's talk about fans. Let's pick on fans for a second. Oh, yes. Who is the most annoying fan base in all the NFL? This one's easy for me, but I want to hear what you have. <laughs> I, yeah, okay. Let's see here. There's a few I could pick, but I mean, I got to go with the Dallas Cowboys for this one. Yeah. They annoy the living crap out of me because every year they say that their team's going to the Super Bowl. Every year, this is going back to, you know, Tony Romo and all the way back to that. Ever since that, that three Super Bowl run that they had, 
in the early 90s with Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith and, you know, Deion Sanders and, you know, everyone was all about the Cowboys. Ever since then, every single year, now I wasn't around in the early 90s because I was, you know, a twinkle in my father's eye or whatever, however you want to call it, but I was not alive, okay? And I know that every single year since then, they've been saying that they're going back to the Super Bowl. I don't know what it is. I mean, because, I mean, you even look at the Cowboys it's every year. It's like, oh, well, they have the talent to do it. They have the talent to get there. Really? Really? I mean, I, it just irritates me how every time they win, it's like, we're them boys. We them boys. Like, how about them Cowboys? And then, like, they get blown out by, you know, Carson Wentz or whatever. And mm-hmm. and then it's, you know, back to the – it just it irritates me, like, no to no end that – the fans just they ride the cowboys for mediocrity i <laughs> you know like your team isn't going anywhere your team mm-hmm. isn't going anywhere but they have this like false notion that they they think they're getting to the promised land every single year guarantee you when dak prescott comes back it's going to be the same thing it's going to be the same thing everyone's going to say oh they're going back they're going to the super bowl dak prescott's back back in the saddle so yeah dallas cowboys for me easy this one's easy for me Hard. It's in the middle of the country, Midwest. Mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns. So annoying. Last year with OBJ, we we got OBJ Super Bowl. It made me so f- good to feel in the finish seven and nine. Not even close to it. Freddie, <laughs> that was the perfect coach for Cleveland. I, I I wouldn't even have a grudge against the Browns. Really. I mean, it's just their fans, the city. Like I said this a million times, I believe on the show. If I were to take a pair of scissors to the U.S. map and I could just cut out any region of the country, it would be Ohio. It seriously would be Ohio. LeBron aside, take LeBron out. Ohio, I mean, what is Ohio? It's the most irrelevant place on the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's go to a... All right, let's shift from fans and go to team. Mm. This might be the same answer for you, but what, who is the most dislikable team? Unlikable team, whatever you want to say. Like the team that you, that you like the least based off how they play, based off their structure. That's a good one. I'm going to go to this year, too. Maybe not all time, but this year. Yeah. um, I mean, a a very – a good one that just came to my mind, you know, up until this year, really, the past 20 years, was the Patriots. Everyone hated the Patriots, you know, when Brady and Belichick were, you know, Palpatine and Darth Vader. I don't know if you know Star Wars, Jason, but that's a Star Wars reference. They were piling around the galaxy that is the NFL just – taking no prisoners and, you know, running the table every single year. Mm-hmm. And fans did not like that. I mean, you recall, I mean, you, you've been watching football for as long as I have. I mean, <laughs> everyone was talking about Independence Day for America and, you know, the Patriots dynasty is, is going to finally be over. And then every year, I mean, they were saying that what since, I don't even know. They were saying the Patriots dynasty was over like the second that they lost the the Super Bowl against the um, Eagles. Well, I was going to even go before that. They okay. were saying it was over when they lost. Well, they lost against Kansas City in the regular season, and Brady got benched for Garoppolo. You remember that game? Yeah. It was in Kansas City. It was like a 40-something, a 10 game. Brady didn't look good at all. You know, there were question marks about if Brady's going to be the quarterback going forward. Everyone's like, oh, you know, Father Time's caught up to Tom Brady. He's not going to be as good, blah, blah, blah. Everyone was calling him, you know, the cliff thing started. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, they answered that with three more Super Bowl wins and, you know, two more appearances. So that, that, that to me was the most hated team. But if this season, hmm. I'm going to give you mine and maybe it'll inspire you. Yeah. Yeah. Let me hear yours. Pittsburgh. Yep. I I was going to say that. You rattle off 11 in a row, but you don't really beat anyone, you know, in convincing fashion and yep. you you lose three straight juju smith schuster tiktok boy on the like you said earlier on the on the field mm-hmm. it's just like shut up like stop talking like can you like you know win a playoff game and maybe win a super bowl like you're arguably one of the most underachieving franchises in the last decade with all the talent that you had yeah no super Bowls out of ab big ben in his prime and Le'Veon Bell and a good defense and Mike Tomlin who's going to be in, a, in the Hall of Fame probably one day and you yep. come up with zero Super Bowls and you every time you face New England it seems like you're outcoached and outperformed and now this year 
you rattle off 11 straight and it's like, let's party. I don't buy it. Let's go to most likable team. Mm. Team that you're kind of kind of rooting for. Deep down. You, you <laughs> hope to see prosper. I, I got to go with my Titans, man. Yep. I got to go with my Titans. Hey, I like the Titans a lot. You know, I know that you kind of have a love-hate relationship with Ryan Tannehill, but listen, I mean, he looked good against the Lions. I mean, he had five total touchdowns, three through the air, two on the ground. Who doesn't look good against the Lions, though? That, that, that's a good point. <laughs> I mean, we all know how – yeah, we all know how I feel about Derrick Henry, but, I mean, you know, obviously that defense is, you know, kind of here and there. But, I mean, I, I mean, A.J. Brown is a stud. I mean, Corey Davis can play. I mean, I like Henry, obviously. But Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill can make the throws when you need him to. And that's kind of all you really ask from him on that team because, I mean, obviously Derrick Henry is the workhorse. He's carrying the load on offense. Mm-hmm. But then when you need to throw it, Ryan Tannehill can make the throws. Now, I'm still a little concerned about when they take away the run game and they force Tannehill to throw it, you know, 40 times a game. How is he going to do, you know, like, like they did against – um, Kansas City in the playoffs last year. They forced Tannehill to throw it. You know, obviously Kansas City won that game. So, but I, I like the Titans, man. I really do. This Watch out for this team in the postseason. They tend to get better in the postseason. So, yeah, I'm, I mean, that right now they're leading their division. To me, they're a very likable team just because it's, it's a bunch of, I mean, Tannehill's not like a, you know, great quarterback. I mean, Derrick Henry, yeah, he's the best running back in the league, but I mean, how can you hate? How can you hate a guy like that? You know, bulldozer. Yeah, I have a two-way tie for this one. Colts, obviously, anyone who listens to this show even remotely, like maybe once every three months, everyone knows I, lo- I like the Colts. Yep. Um, but a team I, I just want to give a little shout out to, and I mentioned it earlier, the Dolphins. I love Brian Flores. I love yeah. how they're operating down there. Kind of rooting for them going forward. Uh, nobody really, you know, when you think about the AFC playoff picture, nobody's really like, oh, we're facing Miami. Let's be scared. Like Miami's gonna like take over the like. Maybe in a couple of years, nobody really thinks that this year's their year. I'm kind of I'm kind of pulling for them, but I will be in kind of a debacle if if and when the Colts face the Dolphins in the playoffs this year. Mm. I'll be in a little bit of a tie, but um, yeah, yeah, hey, it's a win-win for you though. Oh, I love my Colts, that- dude! I love my Colts. <laughs> <laughs> I love my Colts. Jonathan Taylor, bro. He hey, yeah. All right, let's go to a, a coordinator right now. Maybe not even a coordinator. Anyone. Um, most ready to become a first-time head coach next season. Hmm, that's if a you good were to, one. If you were to pull off one offensive or defensive coordinator off any staff in the NFL, and and you would say like, if I'm a franchise, I'm going to hire him, or I'm, he's going to be on my first call. Who would it be? I mean, the obvious one. We've talked about this a lot, but Eric Bieniemy is one. Um, yeah. I know you love Robert Sala of the 49ers. That's another good one. I'd also, I mean, this wouldn't happen, but Todd Bowles, Tampa Bay, that would be an interesting one. I think, you know, he's, I mean, that defense has, is kind of hit and miss, but for the most part, I think he brings a lot out of those players and, you know, he's a very like calm, cool and collected guy. Yep. That would be a good one. My most ready to become first time head coach, Brian Dayball of the Buffalo Bills. Play calling, real offensive one. coordinator. If you look at the play call, uh, I sent you something earlier this morning. I was looking back at the highlights, and there was this, oh, my beautiful red zone play. that he, It was like a fake the screen right behind the back, handoff to the, to the left to Devin Singletary. Wow. I mean, talk about creative. You want to talk about creative offensive minds that have yet to be an, a head coach in the league. Brian Dable is top of the list. Eric Bieniemy is another good one, too. And yep. Robert Sala is, is my guy over there in, in San Francisco. So I got to yeah. give some love to him on the defensive side. Brian Flores, Robert Sala, got to give love to the defensive guys. Kind of Absolutely. The tables a little bit. Um, this one could be, you know, you could take this one a couple different ways, but most unstoppable player. Now, we could talk about physically, like you don't want to run in front of him. I think we both know the answer to that question. But <laughs> if you want to take it and spin it another way to be like, you know, it doesn't matter what game plan you throw at this guy, he's going to solve it regardless. And, you know, you can take your pick at those guys. So most unstoppable player to you. Well, physically, there's nobody but the Henry Express, baby. That yeah. I mean, <laughs> Running people over, stiff arms. I mean, I think he, I don't know who the guy he stiff armed on Friday was or on Sunday for the Lions, but I mean, I think, 
I think he's still trying to dig his way out of the turf as we speak <laughs> because I, that was just brutal. But yeah, Derrick Henry just he runs people over. He's he's a monster. But I mean, if you're talking just overall, like throw out the game the game plan because it's not working. Mahomes is the number one guy. You know, you could also say. I mean, there are a lot of quarterbacks, but Mahomes right now to me is the guy where, I mean, you take the Saints, for example. They played the Saints on Sunday, and the Saints, we, we're all saying how the Saints have one of the best defenses in the league. They have some really good corners and safeties, and their front seven is really solid. And even though Cam Jordan got ejected for, you know, a stupid play, but that was, that was stupid. I don't even want to – whatever. Beside, beside the point. The the Saints couldn't do anything to stop Mahomes. I mean, they still put up 30-plus points on the Saints. So mm-hmm. Mahomes, for me, would be the number one guy. But, I mean, I have to give credit for my guy, TB12, because that guy has seen every coverage and every defensive scheme imaginable. and, and he So he knows what to do in those situations, and he's the most clutch player in the league. So, yeah. Yeah. You, you stole my, my you stole my answers right there verbatim, pretty much. So I don't have to ex- expand much on that. <laughs> um, we're in agreement. Let's go back to coaches. Most underrated coach in the league. Coach that doesn't get a lot of shine, but you think he's doing a really good job. Mine is uh, Kevin Stefanski of the Cleveland Browns. Good one. You, you turn the tides of that franchise. Oh my gosh! I like they have their guy now for for the oh, foreseeable yeah. future. Hundred percent. Make Baker Mayfield comfortable. I, obviously, going up from Freddie Kitchens isn't much isn't much of a challenge. But you look at Cleveland Browns, dysfunctional organization, impulsive organization. I mean, they had the talent, the talent to do so. They just needed a guy to stitch it all together. And you you look at what Stefanski's uh, done in Minnesota throughout his career as an offensive coordinator, bringing it over to Cleveland and culture shock. Uh, not getting a lot of buzz is Kevin Stefanski in the coach of the year race. Um, I, I would give it to Kevin Stefanski. Yeah, I like that one a lot. I'm going to go with a guy who you're near, near and dear to your heart, Jason. I'm going to say Frank Reich for this one. Nice. Because a boy. Listen, this is a guy who, I mean, the Colts are a good team. I mean, the Colts, to me, they're, they're one of the best teams in the AFC. I mean, I think the Titans, you know, the Titans are obviously uh, – um, you know they're my team and they're they're ahead of the the division right now. But the Colts are they're nothing to to uh, turn your head at. I mean they're a good team, offense and defense. That defense, by the way, has been playing unbelievably well. And I think that has a lot to do with Frank Reich. I know Frank Reich's kind of an offensive minded guy, but I mean to have Philip Rivers as your quarterback, who kind of looks like a shell of himself, and you're still winning games. Jonathan Taylor looks really good to to your prediction, Jason. I mean you predicted that from a mile away, but Jonathan Taylor looks really good. So, rushing. Yeah, I mean, hey, he's he's looking really good. And Frank Reich has a lot to do with how that team has been playing these past couple of weeks. So uh, I have to give a lot of credit to Frank Reich. Also, honorable mention, I'll, I'll throw in Brian Flores as well. Yeah. He doesn't get nearly enough love, too. Most underrated player in the league. We talk about Mahomes. We talk about Brady. We talk about Derrick Henry, uh, a weekly installment of Derrick Henry segments. Mm-hmm. Uh, most underrated underrated player kind of sneaks under the radar on who you who you got i got a good one here because when i saw this question when we were talking about it last night i i was thinking about it and i gotta go with Corey davis of the tennessee titans good pull and the reason being is because when you look at the titans you look at derrick henry you look at aj brown especially who's a stud i love his game i love aj brown but Corey davis is is a legit receiver i mean you put him on any other team without A.J. Brown, I mean, he could be your number one receiver. And, I mean, he had that play against the Lions on Sunday where, you know, it was like a 75-yard touchdown, and he just completely shook the corner and mm-hmm. got the touchdown. I mean, that was amazing. And every week this guy is putting up good numbers. I mean, he has, he's had a few 100-yard games so far this year, but he's kind of a guy that kind of flies under the radar because of all the other players on that team like Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown. Um, you know, like John U. Smith, the tight end, who's also underrated in his own right, but he can also play. So, I mean, if you take Corey Davis and put him on any other team, I think he would be a significant part of that offense. Let's go back to my beloved Indy squad, and I'm going to pull from the defensive line. Let's go DeForest Buckner. And yes, that, that should have been a Pro Bowl snub, by the way. That's yeah. a Pro Bowl. He is absolutely killing it. And, you know, tip of the cap to that entire Colts defensive line. I mean, talk about winning games in the trenches. They do it almost on a weekly basis. Yes, they do. Um, 
DeForest Buckner really gets to the quarterback. Uh, I believe a seven sacks this year. <sighs> if you just look at that, the season that he's putting together for, for that team and the way, you know, you could really pull from that entire offensive or defensive line is underrated because, man, everyone's sleeping on the Colts, especially those positions go un, un, like underrated by default. Nobody really pays attention. Right. Um, DeForest Buckner, nobody really paid attention to that acquisition in the offseason, too, getting him from um, San Francisco. That kind of went under the radar as well. So just give some love to, to Mr. Buckner. I'm going to round this out. Let's do a couple more. Yes. I have to go rapid fire. But most surprising player, a player that you weren't expecting a ton from, but outperforming your expectations. I, I got one right now. Let's Baker Mayfield. I'm going to go with yeah. Baker Mayfield. Because I, we even did a segment I what, six weeks ago about you know <laughs> we did let's plug in any other quarterback in the league and they'll do better than Baker, um, Baker so, Baker touchdown maker. Yeah, I mean if you look at the last three weeks, wow, he's making a lot of, out of uh, he's making the most out of that Browns roster. And honestly, it's a slightly disrespectful that we did that segment a, <laughs> a couple weeks ago based hey, on how he's playing. I have no shame because <laughs> oh, yeah. He was playing like like he was not playing well, and but to your point, I mean, he exceeded he, my expectations. You know completely. my thing about the Browns. I mean, I Absolutely. thought they were be a playoff team, but I thought like maybe you know they'll make the playoffs, but they'll be out in one game. This this team can make can win some games in the playoffs. Maybe they can make some noise. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. That's a really good one. I'm gonna go with kind of a a sleeper here. I mean, I know that no one no one thought this was this was gonna be a a guy who popped, but I'm going to go with James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. He is the leading rusher among rookies right now, over a thousand yards rushing. You know, the Jags, the Jags suck. I mean, let's just say that the Jags suck. He is the one shining bright spot on that team. The rest of the team is garbage, hot garbage, but James Robinson has managed to kind of, you know, I know they're, they're only one in uh, 14 or 13 or whatever the record is. They only have one win. But you can't put that on James Robinson. He's been playing really well. That was just a guy I, I really, you know, coming into this year, I had no clue who he was really. And I just kind of looked at the Jags roster and I was like, okay, yeah, they're they're going to get Trevor Lawrence. They're going to tank. They're not really going anywhere. But James Robinson has been very impressive. I mean, and I'm trying to think of another guy, but I mean, you could also say, I could also say Josh Allen. I didn't think Josh Allen was going to be as good as he was. Yeah. Because I mean, he's he's inserted himself into the MVP conversation, and but that's because every year he's his 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 progression is light speed. Like his from year one to year two to year three, it's it's exponential the amount he's growing from year to year. So I really didn't expect him to grow this much from last year. I mean, his accuracy is better, his decision making is better, his arm is probably you know other than Mahomes could be the best arm in the league in terms of strength and power. So those are, those are two that kind of come to mind, but I like yours though. Let's, this might be, that's well, that might be a, um, a nice seg, a segue here. The most well-run organization. Mm. It's not my team anymore. It's not. I was going to go not. with our team. You're going to go with the Pats. I was going to go with the Pats. Tell, I mean, I was thinking because I was going, I was leaning Kansas City for as long as you could. Believe. That's that, that's what I was thinking. But then it's like Casey. winning solves all, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And it's no cool. If the Patriots came out with a winning season this year, we would still be like they're the most well-run organization. You know, I'm not going to let one blip of a season come between you know greatest, um, like best-run organization ever to they're not even the best run organization right now. So, I mean, they might not be in That's two years, point. but I'm go- I'm still going to like benefit of the doubt. I'm just going to blindly p- take the pats. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of swayed me there. Um, I mean, to your point, they only, they're a few plays away from being like eight and four right now. So with hardly any talent with eight. Yeah, offense. exactly. I mean, you know, that, that game against Buffalo, they could have easily won that game against Seattle. They could have easily won. So, yeah, no, I mean, the, the Pats definitely are up there. I just think, like, right now, Kansas City can not be stopped. Every single game, like, no no deficit is safe. Like, I know in the 
in the weekly wrap-up, I was saying how Brady just, you know, he's the comeback kid. He always comes back against, you know, these large deficits. But Mahomes does the same thing. And the Chiefs do the same thing. No lead is safe with the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's just a team that you would think that someone who just signed a $400, $500 million deal or whatever it was, that that team would kind of have some chemistry issues. Not the Chiefs. Not nope. the Chiefs. They're, they're you know, like clockwork right now. Best team in the league. But more about New England coming up in a minute. Is the dynasty over? Is it finally come to an end? We'll talk about that next on The Final Call. Jason, I'm very upset. Why is that? Because my team is, is, is not... I don't recognize them anymore. They've changed. I don't understand. It's not they've, the usual Patriots I'm used to. They've betrayed you? I wouldn't go as far as that, but... I mean, it's 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 not looking good. It is bleak in, here in New England when it comes to the New England Patriots. And the reason I say that, Jason, is because... Is this dynasty over? I mean, this is the first time since 2008, the year that Brady blew out his ACL... When they had Matt Castle as the starter, they went 11-5 and five but missed the playoffs. And now this year, they're what? 6-5-11? and, five and 11? They are not 5-11. and 11. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. You're, hey. Darn close, though. Not far off your prediction from the preseason, by the way. Not far off. Hey, but let me just say. Yep. Let me just say, I'll admit what I'm wrong, Jason. I will. Okay. I'll admit, I'll admit when I'm wrong because I, in the extravaganza, proclaimed that Bill Belichick and Cam Newton were going to run the table in the AFC East and they were still going to roll to a division title. I was wrong. Not only was I wrong, I was wrong twice because I said that they would beat the Bills in the AFC and I thought that they would beat the Dolphins in the AFC East. They did neither. <laughs> so... My, you know, my prediction did not go well, and I'm upset about it. But I'm a man. I'm a man, and I'll admit when I'm wrong. And by the way, Golden Nuggets, you nailed. Uh, I did. In the NBA playoffs, you called the Giannis extension. Every, every psychic is bound for a blip every once in a while. That's true. You're allowed a clunker, especially hometown team. You're hoping for the best. I'll give you a, I'll give you a clunker there. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't see through my Patriots goggles. I was right. Hey, I was right on DK Metcalf too. Don't you forget were. about that. You were. So, but to I answer just, you your know. question, is the dynasty over? Yes, it is. And I mean, is it? Do you do you not agree? No, I I, I just wanted to go into it because <laughs> okay, <laughs> I need you to I need you to to I need to hear someone else say it, Jason. So it so it it just it feels real because it doesn't yet. Okay. Um, this might be a realization for you when you yeah, finally, is, you probably know it, me. but when you hear it out loud, yeah. it might be therapeutic. Um, and I don't mean to, you know, shoot at Andrew again, but it's a player's league, Andrew. And, um, they don't have players. They don't have players. And like Brady, like winning solves all, and you can grind out as many games as you can. But when you, and it's, that's, especially when you have the greatest quarterback of all time, kind of stitching things together for you. Yeah. But when you don't have the players and you don't have, like my, my biggest problem throughout the offseason was A, they didn't make any free agent signings. They lost a lot of people in free agency. Eight opt-outs. Mm-hmm. Cam Newton was on the open market for 60 days for a reason. And that's pretty evident. When you <laughs> we know play. why now. <laughs> but when you try to rely on assumption and reputation to win you games, red flag. Red flag. And the only reason why seemingly like people thought they were going to be a, a team to worry about was because of Bill Belichick and the reputation he has. And he has the reputation to earn that, that honor. But at the same time, like Belichick's not going to play for you. He's not, he's not making tackles. He's, he right. can't do everything from the sideline. So I think there was a certain degree where Belichick was frustrated by how things fell out this year, especially on the offensive side, but they don't have a future at quarterback right now. They don't have, 
like a captain on defense right now. They don't even have a captain on offense. They don't have a like the best the best attribute that they have is special teams, and yeah. and, and they're they're pinning people that back at the ten, forcing them to beat them ninety yards. Like that's the best attribute they have. But I don't know if like the dynasty is obviously over. When I talk about dynasty, I mean like top tier in the league, basically assumed to be in the bubble every year, Super Bowl caliber teams. The standard, yeah. Those days are over. But if you want to talk about maybe squeaking in to the playoffs, if Cleveland can do it, Belichick can. Um, so I, I don't think playoff days are over, but I believe Super Bowl days are over for at least right now until they got a future at quarterback, till they find themselves aggressive on the open market. They need receivers. They need tight ends especially. They need um, – they're pretty good at corner, but in terms of getting more consistent pass rushes, they need, they need some of that stuff to make the ends meet. But mm-hmm. – uh, sorry to sorry to rain on your parade there, but I feel no. Like hey, you know, it's all right. But I have come to this conclusion: the dynasty was over the second Tom Brady signed with Tampa Bay. Yep, eight months ago. Sorry, sorry to say, but I mean that's that's what it was, and I knew it. I mean, on the final call Instagram page, there's that video of of me with the Brady jersey and arms of the angel playing because I knew <laughs> I knew that was it, and. How how can I be upset about it though? I mean, nine trips to the Super Bowl, six wins, countless records, playoff appearances, division titles. The Patriots ran the table for the better part of twenty years. So you're right. I I don't think they get back to that promised land, especially not right now. And to kind of piggyback off of your point earlier, Belichick could ha- could have had the perfect game plan against Miami on Sunday, but the players couldn't do it. The players can't do anything about it because the players aren't good enough. Cam Newton is not good enough. Sorry to say, and you're right. They don't have a future at quarterback right now. Are they going to stick with Cam Newton? I mean, what's your other option? Jarrett Stidham? That's the thing. They don't have any other option. up in the draft and maybe get Trey Lance? I don't know because, I mean, what are you going to give up if you're New England to trade up in the draft? I mean, you could give up Gilmore, who just tore a quad and is out for the year. I've I, I had friends telling me to just shut it all down, keep everyone but Edelman, or no, get get rid of get rid of everyone but Edelman. <laughs> just just get rid of the farm, just everything yep. gone, rebuild. And it's hard it's hard to believe that Belichick is looking at this team, especially on offense, and saying we can go forward with this. It's it's very hard to believe that that's the case. Yep. I mean, you if you watched every game this year, like I like I have, and if this is not this is unrecognizable if you're a Patriots fan, because every single year, let me put it this way: last year, same exact offense with Tom Brady, they went twelve and four. Brady had over forty or uh, forty three hundred passing yards, over twenty touchdowns, and then this year, Cam Newton has five passing touchdowns. 10 interceptions, you know, not even mm-hmm. double-digit wins. First time below 500 since 2002, by the way. That's, that's a sign of the times right there. And I think that this thing's, this thing's over. It's a wrap. And it sucks to say because, like you said, Jason, this dynasty was older than you. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 19 and they haven't finished below 518 years so i'm one of those spoiled brats i i, I will 100 and i am too i mean i'm 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 no i'm no exception i mean i was born in 1997 but still i mean yeah i mean yeah. i was in 2001 i was three years old i don't i don't remember the 2001 super bowl other than the highlights i've watched so yeah i think the first super bowl i remember was the eagles one the 04 one but even then it was like that was so long ago Mm-hmm. And all I've known since then is just constant dominance over the league. And the fact that we don't have that feeling anymore as a Patriot fan, that's how you know it's over. Because before, like when we had Brady, every game was a winnable game. Every game. Like even even the games against like Kansas City and all these big teams, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, no, we could win. We could squeak it out. Not anymore. We don't have that feeling anymore. And it's the first time in my 19 years on this earth that this season, you never really knew what you were going to get out of the Patriots. You never yeah. really knew. And they could, they could blow someone out. They could lose dramatically. It was, 
it was one of those first roller coasters, roller coaster seasons I've seen out of this team. And the Patriots for me, at least for as long as I've been watching football for me in my lifetime, they're the first team that I can remember that on any given Sunday, they can be outplayed and win. Mm-hmm. How many times, how many times like Seattle, they could, they like left that game in the Super Bowl, being like, we outplayed the Patriots. Yep. I know it sounds weird to say you outplay the Patriots, but they just like, they beat you. It's kind of like, I don't want to go off the rails here, but it kind of reminded me the other day of like the rise of humans. So, you know. Oh, yes. I love this. We're going real big picture. Let's go, Jason. We're going, we're going pretty deep and philosophical. So yes. If you want your ears to bleed. No, yes. Yes. Keep this going. Um, <laughs> but like it, at the beginning of time, humans were not the most physically daunting. They were not the most intimidating. They were not the, you know, the most talented, quote unquote, if you want to talk about football. football. There were lions, there were bears, there were tigers, there were dinosaurs probably, who knows? There were things flying from the sky, there were meteors. Like who, knew, who really knew what the landscape of the world was going to be? But humans took it over. Why? A, resourceful. B, smart. Patriots were hardly ever the most talented team in the NFL. There were, you know, there were these like meteors called the Pittsburgh Steelers. There were these dinosaurs called the Kansas City Chiefs. There Seattle were these, Seahawks, Denver yeah, the, Broncos. Yep. Yeah. Tigers, Lions, oh my. The whole landscape, the whole menu of species ever on earth and who emerged victorious more often than not. The Patriots, the most insightful, the most smart, the most resourceful team in league history, arguably in sports history, pro sports history, team sports history. I think that's a big testament to who Bill Belichick is as a coach, how mature and, and effective and productive Tom Brady was, greatest quarterback ever. But at the same time, Big Ben had more to work with. There were years Aaron Rodgers had more to work with. There were times where Patrick Mahomes obviously has more to work with. If you look mm-hmm. at the Seattle days, uh, Russell Wilson had more to work with. There were, day, there were certainly days and possibly years that there were games that Tom Brady had the least amount of talent on that Sunday and still came out victorious because of how resourceful and smart they were as a coaching staff, QB, co- uh, coach combination. Yeah, I'll even go. I mean, you could even look at when they faced the Vikings. It was either last year or the year before where uh, the Vikings went to Foxborough and they, they lost significantly. And I mean, Kirk Cousins had Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, and Brady was throwing to Edelman and Nikhil Myers. <laughs> Myers. Yeah, I mean, and who won that game? It was the Patriots. And you're, you're absolutely right. You hit the nail right on the head, Jason. And that's the big thing with this Patriots team was resourcefulness. And that goes into my point is there was never a game that you didn't feel like they could win. Like, I mean, look at the Atlanta Super Bowl. Who was a better team on paper? The Falcons. The Falcons had all the uh, all the shiny toys and everything. The the quarterback Matt Ryan, MVP of the league. Devontae Freeman, who's a great uh, running back. Te- uh, Tevin Coleman, who was also in the backfield. You had Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver at that time. Mohamed Sanu, who was you know still pretty good. All these offensive weapons, and then uh, even their O line was really good with Alex Mack at center. And then their defense was firing all cylinders with Deion Jones and Robert Alford and all those guys. And But which team won? The team that, that managed the game better. The, the team that went out there with a better game the, plan. The better quarterback. The better quarterback. And, you know. And better receivers off, in that time. In that, in that you know, ha- that quarter standpoint. Who, who had the best receivers on that field in that fourth quarter, third quarter? Patriots did. And you know, Atlanta didn't talent wise, but effect like based off production and effectiveness. Yes. There you go. And I think that speaks to, you know, to the greatness of Brady. And, you know, I mean, we all know how I feel about Brady, but Brady is a guy who we always said this when he played in new England, he brought the best out of his receivers. He brought the best out of his teammates because like you said, I mean, big Ben has, you know, he had AB and all these guys and Aaron Rodgers had Greg Jennings and Jordy Nelson and everyone. And uh, Mahomes obviously has these weapons. Brady was winning Super Bowls with Chris Hogan and Danny Amendola, Danny Julian Edelman. Yeah. And, you know, and, and also another thing was the amount of times this year where it would be, you know, Cam Newton is questionable to play on Sunday because of an abdomen injury or uh, he has an ankle issue, right? When Brady was playing and you heard those reports, were you worried? 
No. No, because Brady played through injury and played exactly the same. Do you remember when he won the AFC Championship with like 24 stitches in the palm of his throwing hand? Yep. And he didn't wear a glove. He just had a thing of tape over it. I mean, who he does that? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, quarterbacks, quarterbacks like that don't grow on trees. And I know that can't, it's not fair to compare Cam Newton to Brady because they're so different and their play styles are so different. But New England kind of pride itself on quarterback play and having a sustainable quarterback to kind of, you know, keep the offense going and cam hasn't been that so i don't know if they roll with him i mean i know they signed him on that one-year deal it was basically a rental to see how he it was basically a tryout essentially do you think they roll with him next year what do you think they do next year with this they tear it down part of me i'm kind of torn on this because part of me feels like they're delaying the inevitable they're gonna have to find a quarterback in the draft they're gonna have to at some point yeah. Does that mean you tear it down to the sticks? No. Because you have to make the most out of Bel- Belichick. Belichick, late 60s, he has, like, I don't want to say his, his clock's ticking, but you got to make the most out of Bel- Belichick as your coach. And right. to say you're going to withstand a 4-12 and 12 season, 3-13 and 13 season, I mean, that's just kind of outrageous. you got to use Belichick to his strength. So, But at the same time, like, what other option do they have? Jarrett Stidham's not the answer. For any fans begging, pounding the table for Jarrett Stidham, it's, he's not the answer. You know why? Thank you. Because he's a mystery to us fans. We watch every game, and we're like, the grass is always greener. Let's go with Stidham. Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels, two of the smartest guys in the industry, have watched Jarrett Stidham practice for 18 months. Yep. Thank you. Either he's the greatest kept secret that not even Belichick and Josh McDaniels can pick up on, <laughs> or he's flat out not good. That's the answer. That I'm sorry for everyone who doesn't want to hear it. Two of the smartest guys, one of the smartest offensive guys in league history, Josh McDaniels, and the greatest football coach to ever step foot on this earth. Don't think Jared Stibbs is a starting quarterback. Even if that door to bench Cam Newton was open several times, there was slightly a jar at the beginning of the season when he got COVID. They could have started him in Kansas City. Who did they start, Ben? Brian Hoyer. There it is. The door was open after like countless fumbles, countless inconsistent plays. Days where Cam interceptions days that cam didn't even hit a hundred passing yards the door was open to let Stidham play and why didn't they because he stinks there's a re there's a reason two of the smartest guys watched him play every single day had a had an eye on what he was doing every day for 18 months and you're gonna say yeah okay let, let's start him if there's you can't do it in practice you're not gonna do it in the game there's an answer there's a there's a reason why he's not in the game the, yeah. the opportunity to put him in was there countless times. I don't even have enough fingers on my hands to count how many times there was an opportunity to start Jarrett Stidham. The reason why is they know he's not very good. There's no special sauce there. Yeah. And a lot of people were saying that, you know, Stidham's the answer. And I, I 100% agree with you, Jason. He's not it. If he was it, they would have thrown him in. <laughs> put him in. <laughs> yeah. Like they, you know, but. My my big my big picture question for you is, you know, a lot of people say that the Patriots dynasty these past twenty years was the greatest dynasty potentially in the history of professional sports. I mean, it's obviously the best dynasty in the history of the NFL, but you could yep. even expand it to all sports. But could you see a run like this happening with another team potentially in the future, or you know, in in any sport, but you know, specifically the NFL? Because I think I, I have a good answer for this one. Okay. Um, yes and no, no, because there's only one Bill Belichick and there's only one Tom Brady. And when those stars collide, it's never going to happen again. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think there's a team that can make the playoff for like 20 straight years and, you know, beat up on a bad division and can kind of grow it that way. But I don't feel like it'll ever happen again, that the Patriots will build a team or any team will build a team quite like the, the Patriots in that, oh, one man's trash is another man's treasure. We're going to take spare parts from other teams and make them our own. And make we're going to take we're going to take Josh Gordon and make him our our yeah. second best receiver. Yeah, we're we're going to take um, Harrison from the Steelers. You know, broken down, and we're going to make him a key part on Super Bowl team. That's I don't think yep. that's ever going to happen again. Now, Kansas City right now, they might be like, we're just going to throw a bunch of talent and offensive splashes on the on the field, and let's just make the playoffs and run the table. That might happen. 
but I'm not going to see the way it was developed again, I don't think. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say was I could totally see Kansas City being the best team in the league for the next decade, but are they going to do it in the same way that the Patriots did it? I hardly think so. I mean, just because of, like we said before, we keep saying it, the resourcefulness and the intelligence of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady and what they were able to do with the pieces that they had. I have no doubt that if Mahomes, you know, had a less than average receiving core, I'm sure he could make it work. I'm sure he could because he's talented enough. But the fact of the matter is that's not the case. He has the best receiver in football and the best tight end in football and a lot of good receivers who are just track stars who can catch. And that's going to be the team to beat in the AFC for the next decade. And you could also look at the Bills too because, you know, AFC East, the Patriots, we know what the Patriots look like this year. The Dolphins are kind of on the come up, but they're not quite there yet. And the Jets are the Jets. They're going to suck for forever because they just blew their chance at Trevor Lawrence. So the Bills could also be that team that, kind of, you know, like you said, beats up on the bad division, gets the number one seed, you know, in the postseason, gets, a, well, the the second seed doesn't get a, a bye any, anymore, but they, they could potentially get the first round bye in the future. I just don't know if, if we'll ever see something quite like the Patriots, just because, I mean, six Super Bowls, man. No one, no one knows how much that is. Like we always talk about, you know, in basketball, you know, Jordan has six rings and, uh, you know, Kareem has six rings and everything in basketball, Bill Russell has 11 rings, right? You know, Sam Jones has 10 rings, you know, John Havlicek has eight. So, you know what I mean? Robert Horry is seven. That's a big one that always comes up. No one has more than six in the NFL. Okay. Brady has six all with the Patriots. Belichick has six with the Patriots. I mean, Something like that is never going to happen again, in my opinion. Like maybe, maybe teams will get to the Super Bowl, but to win six Super Bowls. I mean, that's the, they're tied with the Steelers for the most Super Bowls won by an organization. And they did it in the span of 18 years. And we're like four plays away from potentially having eight, nine rings. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, have a, I have an unplanned question. We didn't plan on this, but it just came to mind. And I really want to ask you. Yes. When we thought of Brady, we were like Patriot for life, synonymous with the Patriot brand, do your job. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he ditched and left for Tampa. Is there a chance, I don't want to go off in the weeds, but is there a chance that Belichick looks at this roster and goes, maybe it's my fault it's built like this, but I'm, upper, I'm, I'm high 60s right now. I'm not going to win a Super Bowl here again. And goes... I'm going to go elsewhere. Is there a chance that Bill Belichick moves on from this Patriots team? Maybe not next year, maybe not this year, but eventually. That is it's a hard very to see him, good question. It's hard to see him not in New England, but yeah, it is. We said the same about Brady. We did, and that's the thing. It's like I want to say no because my gut says no. He's going to be a Patriot for the rest of his career, but I said the same thing about Brady. But here's the difference, though, and I'm glad you asked this question because it's a very good question. With Brady, he's a player. Players, you know, have free agency, trades, all this. Coach, not only the coach, but the GM as well, right? He's a lot more entwined with that organization. Now, I know that Brady and Kraft were like father and son type, you know, like they were really close. But Belichick helps Kraft run that team. And he's spoken numerous times about how loyalty is a big deal for you know the craft family and how they handle things i think you know i mean he is at you know the tail end of his career he could he could retire a patriot and i hope he does um i just don't know if you know he's gonna i don't know how long it's gonna be i could definitely potentially see him you know rebuilding this thing from the ground up and then right when the patriots are a contender again bye see ya mm -hmm. because he's he's passing it on to the next uh the next in line who knows it could be mcdaniels i've been saying for years that i think mcdaniels should be the next guy coming up after belichick but i mean obviously it's gonna be hard to replicate belichick because we all know how hard it is to replicate brady and we we're seeing how that looks right now and you know losing the best 
head coach of all time. I mean, it's it it's not just how he game plans; it's how he he treats everything. I mean, Cam Newton said multiple times how being a Patriot is just different. The way they handle things is different. It's the standard that's being held that you need to live up to. That's the difference with the Patriots. So that's a part of Belichick. It was a part of Brady too. I mean, the Patriot way was built with Brady. The Patriot way was inside Brady. Belichick was able to extract that and put it to the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be hard for another head coach to come in and carry on that legacy. It's a tall task, but I I don't know. I don't know, man. I wouldn't rule it out necessarily, but when you think of when you think of the Patriots, like Belichick, this is his baby. This the, he built the Patriots. Like yes, he did. So part of me is like, I don't think you know, as a as a guy, as like maybe egotistical as this might be, but if I was building up a company for twenty some odd years and it was the most successful company on the planet, mm-hmm. I don't know if I could ditch that. I feel like I'd be a little sentimental to that. If I like the area, if I like you know whether I I, I like what I have built, even if it's you know tailing off a little bit and it's not as good as it once was i feel like i'd have a deep emotional connection to it enough that i i I don't know if i could see absolutely it being carried on by anyone else yeah absolutely and i 100 percent agree that's why excuse me i think that's why belichick is gonna stay but you know it's I, i i i heartily believe that he would leave and go to another team i mean what other team would he go to i mean i know he has strong ties with the giants Indy, baby. He, he yeah, loves to win oh, games yeah. in the trenches. Yeah, oh, he yeah. Has a better he, offensive line, defensive line. My Colts, baby. Sign him up. Oh, my goodness. Him and Carson Wentz. I'll pay for the flight. Oh, my God. Come on. Him and Sam Darnold. Hey, I'll you want young this. quarterbacks? I'll say this right now. If Bill Belichick goes to, <laughs> goes to the Indianapolis Colts and wins a Super Bowl with Carson Wentz, I, I don't even know what I'll do. I will, I will go to a casino and I will bet all my money on whatever you want, Jason. Yeah, that'd be I, such a nothing but just, net call right there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm just gonna I'm just gonna bring Jason Snow to the casino and I'm just gonna put gonna put him in front of the slot machine and say start start spinning, buddy. Let's go. Cause that Dinner's on you that night, let's just say. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's a, that's all the time we have on the final call today. Fun show today. Absolutely. Packed show. Um uh, thank you for uh, watching. Uh, if you're interested in doing some reading, check out nesportsunited.com. Uh, great publication. Forgot to plug that in earlier Indeed. in the show. Uh, also, check out the Scoreboard Times written by Andrew Fantuccio. Thank you all for listening. It's been episode 64 of The Final Call on Radio Massasoit. Some kind of way out of here Say the joker to the